So, Rory, where were you 24 hours ago? In Portland, Oregon. It was nice and pretty. They had fall. Oh, I miss fall. Fall's pretty. (laughs) And are you wide awake at this very moment? Nope. It's going to be a good time. (laughs) Hi, I'm Heidi, and I am Island Stir Crazy. Hi, I'm Rory, and I have a healthy fear of flying. Rooted in my fear of deep water and having other people control my fate. We're pretty obsessed with books and music and movies, and every episode we talk about ones that we enjoy. Be warned, there are spoilers ahead. Deep water? I guess it's fair. I don't like the open ocean. I do not have an issue with it, mainly because... uh, I'm fully aware that I would drown in 10 feet of water just as effectively as in 100. It's not the drowning. It's the being stranded for like hours. Oh, that's an excellent point. Not hours. I mean like months. You meant forever. (laughs) I meant forever. (laughs) You meant dying surrounded by the blue. Yeah. So I'm mostly afraid of flying over the ocean, not really over land. That makes sense. It's problematic because the only thing I can fly over is ocean I for five hours. Yeah, that's true. I, at this point, just take a sleeping pill and go to sleep as soon as I get on a plane. Like, I am that person. Yeah, see, I didn't know about my fear until the plane. So, Oh, it's a new development. See, you're yeah. growing. <laughs> Great. Great. So let's talk about the book, which is An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank Green. Which is absolutely remarkable. Just stunningly good. I'm so irritated that Hank did such a good job on his first try. I know. I'm mad. Like, he killing the game. It was so good. Would you care to explain the plot? Or read the flicky flacky? Yeah. Yeah. That's what this leaf thing is called. The Carls just appeared. Roaming through New York City at 3 a.m., 23-year-old April May stumbles across a giant sculpture. Delighted by its appearance and craftsmanship, like a 10-foot-tall transformer wearing a suit of samurai armor, April and her best friend, Andy, make a video with it, and Andy uploads to YouTube. The next day, April wakes up to a viral video and a new life. News quickly spreads that there are Carls in dozens of cities around the world, from Beijing Beijing to Buenos Aires, and April, as their first documentarian, finds herself at the center of an intense international media spotlight. Seizing the opportunity to make her mark on the world, April now has to deal with the consequences of consequences her new particular brand of fame has on her relationships, her safety, and her own identity. And all the eyes are on April to figure out not just what the Carls are, but what they want from us. Compulsively entertaining and powerfully relevant, an absolutely remarkable thing grapples with big themes, including how the social internet is changing fame, rhetoric, and radicalization, how our culture deals with fear and uncertainty, and how vilification and adoration spring from the same dehumanization that follows a life in the public eye. Being beginning of an exciting fiction career, the abs- an absolutely remarkable thing is a bold and insightful novel of now. <laughs> that was so many 
Asian words in that one <laughs> sentence. I'm just reading I'm it and like, I'm like, vilification and adoration spring from the same dehumanization. And I'm like, I'm like oh my god, it's like a it's like a rap. <laughs> <laughs> but if a white guy wrote it, <laughs> and who wasn't Eminem? Now, let's talk remarkable things. They're called Carls. I love it so much. Like you kind of get used to it, and then. Like, once in a while, you'll remember that it's really weird that these robots are called Carls. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, she just named them Carl, and then everybody called them Carl. The whole world. The entire planet. Yeah. Like, they named it, like, New York Carl. Hollywood Carl. Like, depending on where they are. Yeah. The Carl's just named after where it shows up. And, like, the little details that he puts in about it, like, that the Carl's are actually floating slightly above the ground, yeah. but only millimeters, so you can't tell unless you tunnel under them and then you realize like yep nope they just stay there yeah like it's such good science fiction start there so good uh which doesn't surprise me because hank green's known as a science educator that his science fiction novel is full of things that it's like oh no it's not even that weird it's just impossible no it's just funny because i can like because we both kind of know like hank green and like his type of personality because like we listen to his podcast and like all that type of stuff and it's really funny because i keep like seeing him in april may <laughs> like i keep seeing him <laughs> and then like <laughs> yeah. every time that miranda who's like a uh scientist like she studies the elements and like nature and element like physical eh, things yeah and so, every time that she basically speaks, I'm like, "Oh, Hank Green, your science crash course is showing. Anytime Andy appears at any time. Yeah. I feel like Andy <laughs> is, e- is, is like somewhere between Hank and John. Yeah. Like, I think Andy is yeah. more John. Like, oh, yeah. I'm definitely. so tired. I'm so tired. Uh, but we know that, that crash course, or not crash course, Vlogbrothers was John's idea. So, who knows? Yeah. There were a few scenes where I was like, Gabby Dunn, your editorial voice is showing. <laughs> yeah. Um, because Gabby Dunn uh, is an author, YouTuber, a bunch of other things. And she's credited as one of the people that like read the book in its early stages and made sure that it was accurate. Yeah. Because uh, April May is bisexual. Gabby's bisexual. Yeah. And lots of other, like they have a lot of in common. And yeah. there were a few things that I'm like, oh, look, it Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> it Gabby. <laughs> or, oh, look, it's Ashley Ford. Like, I'm pretty sure Ashley Ford has tweeted that. Yeah. Excellent. It was just really funny because I'm like, oh, you wanted to use your science stuff. <laughs> like, you just wanted to talk about some science. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sweet. And it's, it is such a good book about fame. Uh, oh, the, yeah. And in the author's note, Hank actually puts in that the Carls are fame. <laughs> like, that the Carls yeah. came to stand in for fame for him. And uh, when you... I can't spoil it. This podcast is called Spoilers Ahead, but we have rules about how much you can spoil. Yeah. The rules exist exclusively in Rory and I's minds. <laughs> we will never tell you what they are. But uh, no. I can't tell you how it ends ends. What I can tell you is that thinking of the Carls as, as being what they are, but also being like fame in addition. Yeah. Like a knife to the chest. Oh. It's going to be great. I'm so excited to get the angry text. We're as <laughs> close to the end I because I'm an extra little person uh speed read this whole thing yeah 
You were also busy and I was not. <laughs> Previously said fear made me just like really want to pass out on the plane. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that completely. Like, no, I totally get it. When you were like, I don't have time to read on the plane. I was like, that feels like fake news, but I don't I can't put my finger on why I think that's not going to happen. I read a lot on the plane. Hey, I only read on the plane. So, mm. <laughs> well, and I also have the reading speed of a of a slow computer. So that's true. We mean that to be fast. I read quickly. This is such a great quote. I knew none of this. I knew that what had happened to Martin Bellacourt was horrifying and impossible, but I wasn't processing it as newly weird. Carl was a space alien, so weird was done with. As far as I was concerned, we were already at peak weird. <laughs> yeah. Like. Also, Hank's voice is so different from John's, and I love yeah. it. Like, I'm so happy he doesn't oh, yeah. write like John Green. Yeah, it's really, he's really funny. He's like, so funny, and he uses so many little words. I know. <laughs> I want to, I want to read a sentence just as a game and try to Johnify it. Like, try to Johnify the right. sentiment. I just need to find a good one. Oh, all of those strong emotions dissolved into sadness then. And the Johnified version would probably go something like, I could feel sadness welling up underneath all of the other things that I was feeling in my body, starting at my sternum and swallowing my rib cage until what I was left with was an immense and deep sadness that I knew could contain the world that was me. Like, John Green, sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down. Now I understand why John's books have no plot. He just doesn't have time. (laughs) Here's a quote. I like it that people think my opinion matters. It's just, I don't know if it does. (laughs) Oh, excellent. This book is also, like, peak, I have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, reading this whole book, I was like, wait, what happens if like this podcast succeeds or um, any of my stories that I've put out and that have gotten published? Like, what if one of them takes off? And I'm just like, oh, dear me. (laughs) Oh, heavens. How? What? No. Why? What? And yet here we are talking about a book that talks about fame after we have been cast in Fame Junior. Oh, my gosh. Doing our podcast that you were listening to, and we laughed and we cried and thought, "Oh, what a life!" Oh, shoot, that was so many things <laughs> just <laughs> happening. My gosh! Oh, here's one that I like. Somebody asks, "Are you okay, April?" And she's like, mm, "Not particularly, no." <laughs> <laughs> oh, when I read that, I read that in your voice, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> Oh, you pictured you as April May. (laughs) Just for that one second. But like the, not particularly, no. Oh, I thought about me in this passage. Because, you know, April May is immensely relatable. Also, what a great hero name. Like, that's the best heroine name. April May is great. The dream, this creation of the Carls, it had been there for me to enjoy. And I'd been ignoring it because I didn't feel like I was going to get anything useful done. I only thought about the fight, not why I was fighting. Mm-hmm. There's this whole big thing where April becomes like a political commentator about the value of the Carls when nobody has any friggin' idea what they're doing on the planet or where they came from or anything. And I'm just like, 
A, I now understand the entire podcast delete this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I think delete this is the birth, like, like is the child of Hank writing an absolutely remarkable thing. Yeah. Go listen to delete this. It's great. B, dang it. Dang it. Dang it. Like, why do I feel the need to say anything on the internet? <laughs> Rory also doesn't know why I feel the need to say anything on the internet. No, not you, me. Yeah, but what you say on the internet's amusing. What I say is like, maybe don't traffic children. Yeah, but also maybe don't traffic children. <laughs> not not relevant. <laughs> don't do that. Hey. If don't, we have any child traffickers listening to this podcast, consider this that. your sign from God. Stop. <laughs> Damn it. Turn yourself in and rescue them babies. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, Andy's trying to go to sleep because obviously. Mm-hmm. And this, it felt very me. I, f- I felt it in my soul. But April's like, Andy, we are at the crux of history. And he's like, April, I am at the crux of violence. Hmm. He didn't even open his eyes. Oh. Yep. Yep. Uh, Oddly enough, I felt April in that conversation. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot to do with hate, too. Oh, yeah. Book. It's like all, I like how it's all handled. Mm-hmm. Because she's very like, I tried. I did not succeed. Mm-hmm. Oh, the opening sentence to this book is fantastic, and I'm going to read it. Mm. Look, I am aware that you're here for an epic tale of intrigue and mystery and adventure and near death and actual death, but in order to get to that, unless you want to skip to chapter 13, I'm not your boss, you're going to have to deal with the fact that I, April May, in addition to being one of the most important things that has ever happened to the human race, am also a woman in her 20s who has made some mistakes. <laughs> yep. And I'm just like... Dang, what girl. Mood. <laughs> yeah, this whole book is like, there's all these heavy themes and stuff, but it's also just immensely funny. Like, yeah, so many things that happen so are hilarious funny. and weird. Like, yeah. weird AF. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the grape jelly incident. That's all I'm saying about that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's just, it's good. She has a lot of really funny tweets as well. Like, she gets really into Twitter because of all this. And we she- see you, Hank. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody had tweeted, like, April May is pretty cute, but she completely ruins it by being so full of herself. And she just replies, I mean, definitional- definitionally, though, what else am I supposed to be full of? It's just me in here. Well, me and an embarrassing number of Doritos. I just, I know this is totally unrelated and we need to get back to it, but also, like, imagine that tweet directed at Aza Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you even sure there's me in here at all? <laughs> <laughs> Aza Holmes is pretty cute, but she, it's too bad she ruins it by being full of herself. No, you don't understand. I don't have a self. I'm full <laughs> of empty space. And Doritos. Lots of Doritos. And Doritos. Lots of Doritos. <laughs> Embarrassing. Uh, <sighs> I, I understand they're completely different books, but we've done them both on this podcast. <laughs> That's true. 
Oh, when she's talking about a certain type of person and like their voice, like their type of tone and stuff. I'm only talking to one person, but I would nonetheless like everyone in the world to hear me. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Oh. Yeah. When they're talking about the dream, which is like, I'm not going to spoil it too much. I might be, I don't know. But it's basically like everybody, almost everybody in the world gets this dream. And it's like a series of puzzles and like they're all working together to solve them and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's a dream. Like it's a dream that everybody gets. And I really liked this one thing. What is reality except for the things that people universally experience the same way? The dream, in that sense, was very, very real. Oh, yep. It's kind of funny because, like, as I was getting up to that, I was kind of thinking, like, well, the dream kind of is reality because everybody feels it. And, like, everybody has it. Yeah. (laughs) In the same way. Mm Mm-hmm. So it is technically real. Yeah. Like, it's a thing that, it's a definable thing and that mm-hmm. that was cool and then this is, i i don't know what else i want to talk about but i did want to read one quote about fame most attributes a person has are at least in some way defined by them fame is not this way mm. like mm-hmm. it's the opening of chapter nine and they're like most of that chapter opens with a description of like what it is to be famous and wh- what fame is at all um and as someone who is openly shamelessly a writer mm-hmm not i would say unopinionated on the <laughs> internet <laughs> who uh co-hosts a podcast hey. and you also a host of a podcast Ooh. um this was probably an important book for us to read before anything super successful and big happens i would i would say think yeah that's fair yep <laughs> <laughs> um i don't have a clean transition and unless you've read an absolutely remarkable thing I absolutely do not have any way of explaining why these two things are related. No, but it's just so correct. It's undoubtedly in the sense that we tossed around like three or four different movie ideas and settled on Thor Ragnarok. Which, like, again, is super weird, but not at all. It feels completely right. It's so wrong and yet exactly correct. I think a lot of it has to do with the dialogue. Like, because yeah. Ragnarok is immensely funny. Yeah, like, it touches on a lot of, like, things, but it's also very funny. Mm-hmm. Like, also, uh, there is there is a little bit, the only real strong connection point I can think of is that Valkyrie is canonically bisexual, and Marvel made them cut the scenes that made it, like, ultra canon. Yeah. And then they put it in the comic book because Taika is not an idiot. So... Hey. Yeah, and uh, April May actually goes through a bit of, like, are you willing to be a lesbian? I'm bisexual. Are you willing to say that you're a lesbian? And she actually says yes and then takes it back on live TV. It's a real problem. It's an issue later. (laughs) (laughs) It's a problem. But, yeah, Thor is just so great. It's just so bouncy and happy. Yeah. And not as snarky as Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Which feels a little too snarky. An absolutely remarkable thing is so hopeful and also so yeah. scary because of its hope. Oh, terrifying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely remarkably terrifying. It's an absolutely remarkable fear. 
<laughs> um, and yeah, so if you haven't watched Thor Ragnarok, um, Thor keeps having this dream that Ragnarok, which is the end of Asgard, is coming. And then uh, his oldest sister that he didn't know about shows up. She's the goddess of death and she's here to bring Ragnarok. He gets stranded on a planet, runs into the Hulk, gets beaten up by the Hulk. <laughs> gets beaten up by the Hulk. And finds the last of the Valkyries, who are warriors of Asgard. And uh, him, his adopted brother Loki, <laughs> Valkyrie, and Bruce Banner, who is also the Hulk, return to Asgard to attempt to stop Ragnarok and accidentally on purpose bring it about while rescuing all of the people of Asgard because it is not as important to have a planet as it is to have a population. Yeah. And that was the only way to still have the population. Also, pardon my language, but Loki is a little shit. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he's such a punk. Like, he's such a punk in this movie. Like, there's kind of no way to talk about Loki without using big kid language. <laughs> I know. Because he's also a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, Loki is just... A little everything. Mm-hmm. Mix of this, mix of that. All right. Sugar and spice and everything toxic. <laughs> Loki is like an absinthe cocktail. He's just a cocktail of, what are you doing? <laughs> Loki. Also, no. Thor is so golden retriever in this movie. <laughs> like, okay. And this is, I need to give the MCU... Like, the biggest pat on the back. Because I read quite a few Marvel comics as a kiddo. Mm -hmm. Mostly mostly the older ones. It's not that important. What is important is that I didn't like Thor. He was annoying. Right. And, like, Thor is universally, up until now, considered, like, one of the kind of, like, I get why you're here. He's that person that definitely needs to be invited to the party. But the one we all kind of pass from group to group right. and try to avoid. And the, and the fact that, like, the Thor trilogy is possibly one of my favorites in the yeah. mcu is just like that they turned the most obnoxious character into the puppy dog of the marvel cinematic universe big wow the right choice excellent like it's one thing to find a way to make spider-man likable i don't know how they missed it twice yeah to make him beloved but friggin thor like yeah. go you Get excellent oh also taika Frickin' making a Marvel movie about imperialism <laughs> and <laughs> historical nostalgia and erasure, <laughs> like imperial erasure uh, as a theme. Yes. Like, uh, proud of what you got and ashamed of how you got it. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> uh, there's a scene where Hela, the goddess of death, smashes the the painted ceiling so that a second earlier painting is revealed of them of asgard taking over the nine worlds because yeah. odin is called like he's king of the nine realms you ever wondered how he got to be king yeah him and hella hey. running around causing hella problems <laughs> hella problems <laughs> hella problematic hey i'm a girl in my 20s and i'm hella problematic <laughs> hey yeah i really like that it's a contrast between Thor, who's such a golden retriever puppy boy, mm -hmm. and Loki, who is such a cat. Oh, yeah. Loki <laughs> is such an annoying, pretentious cat. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we have, in the middle, Bruce Banner, who is, oh. 
here's a deep cut, the Toru Honda of the group just trying to help <laughs> everybody get along. Because we have a dog and a cat and a rat, which is the Valkyrie. <laughs> because she yeah. is, like, she's great. And I mean that in the nicest way. Yeah. Like, top of the Zodiac, friggin' dangerous as hell. Yeah. Cunning. <laughs> The one I would not mess with yeah. of the group, honestly, because Loki, I, I would probably not pick a fight with Loki, but if you're in the same room as Loki, you're in a fight with Loki yeah. or you're sleeping together. And uh, I don't want to sleep with Loki. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a fight with Loki, clearly. <laughs> uh, and if you're sleeping with Loki, it's only a matter of time hey. before you're in a fight with Loki. So the one I would probably not mess with is Valkyrie. Because oh, yeah. Because if I successfully pulled a prank on Thor, I feel like he'd be like, yay, good good job. Yay, good job. Woo. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> like, you did it. And, you know, why mess with Bruce Banner? One, I don't want to turn him into the Hulk. And two, he suffered enough. I also, just the entire scene where they're fighting. Like <laughs> the entire Thor and Hulk mm-hmm. fight scene where he's just trying to, like, shh, shh, shh. It's okay, big guy. Like it's so cute. Like this like the Hulk is just trying to like basically kill him. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Shh, it's okay. It's okay. He's just trying He's so a friend cute. from work. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know this guy. <laughs> well wait, this is a friend from work. <laughs> I know him. And then Loki's just kinda like shrinks in his seat up in the like the VIP box. The VIP lounge, because he's definitely banging the Grandmaster. Like, no question. Oh, yeah. And by banging, I mean is being banged by. There's absolutely no way the Grandmaster's <laughs> a bottom. <laughs> like, oh. nope. Ugh. Also, th- this movie did a great job of, like, tying the Guardians of the Galaxy into the Marvel Universe, because yeah. up till now they felt kind of tonally separate, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, like, oh, Ragnarok yeah. totally bridged the Avengers movies and every like Captain America, Iron Man by extension. And it's nice to have like, you know, given that the Bifrost is the rainbow bridge that Thor showed up and bridged kind of the happy go lucky guardians of the galaxy. Yeah. Spin, spin in purple stuff. And like my addiction is attention. Tony Stark. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's such a great, Thor's just like, what a great guy. I want... Like, you could grab a beer with him. (laughs) Oh. Well, and if you grab a coffee and he smashes the cup on the floor and you ask him to smile, he'll smile at your weird shiny (laughs) box without knowing what it does. It's in the first movie. A character asks Thor to to have his photo taken for Facebook and he just smiles not knowing what a photo or a Facebook is he's just the kind of person that if you say smile he smiles and it's really like, oh. I don't need anything else from my from my heroes so Thor Ragnarok that's the connection point I got there Thor and an absolutely remarkable thing are both bubblegum adventures of super yeah. deep and dangerous themes yeah that's what I kind of thought like it's kind of like a serious subject and like dangerous and like ah but like also having a great time Taika the rock dude love him mhm mhm yeah Taika the director also being Taika the rock dude who has fun lines like I'm not going to attempt the accent 
I uh, started a protest, tried to start a revolution, but I didn't print enough pamphlets, and so my mom was the only one who showed up. No, it was just my mom and her boyfriend, who I hate. That's correct. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, it's so hard without the accent, because I have to retranslate the whole thing in my head. I can just, like, I hear it. Side, side note, my mom and her entire family is from New Zealand. And we watch, like, we have seen a few of Taika's things. And so it was really cool. Because <laughs> the minute he spoke, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Taika. <laughs> yep. Yep. He's epic. Just, what a ball. <sighs> yeah, so we got, I'm glad, I'm glad that we had this adventure to figure out why they vibe so hard together. Yeah. Because, an absolutely remarkable thing. And Ragnarok totally blend. Oh, I just yeah. couldn't put words to it until yeah. just now. Which I think leads us to our next bubblegum depression. Ooh. <laughs> bubblegum <laughs> depression. If that's not the name of the episode, we said yep. something very funny after this. There because that's the name of the episode. There it is. <laughs> um, writing that down. <laughs> Please hold. We're having a conversation that should be on the mic. I didn't know if it should be or not, but I figured I'd check first. No. Okay. Please tell the listeners. Okay, so we have, like, I don't know if everybody has it. I'm guessing they do, because what life are you living in? Oh, don't? no. Friggin' there are so many people who don't reread or rewatch anything. Mm-hmm. Learn from us. How do you us. spend that much energy on things all the time? They usually are sports fans as well. Like, so a lot oh, of their viewing okay, energy okay, okay. is... That is, makes sense. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Like, they're the kind of people who won't reread a book or rewatch a movie, but they right. will follow a sports team. And right, okay. I think you can do that intelligently and thoughtfully and learn... Like, I'm not opposed to that. I'm just explaining the type yeah. of person who does yeah, yeah. that. We're not those type of people. We rewatch everything. Yes. Now. So, we have this thing. We're like, we have a few movies that we constantly are in the mood to rewatch like all the time no matter what mm-hmm. <laughs> like on that list is holes uh-huh. i will literally watch it every friday like i'm after a week i'm back in the mood i'm always in the mood for holes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we just noticed more details about holes the last time we watched it yeah uh, which was last friday side yeah. note it was oh my gosh anyways so like things like that that type of yeah like, and I have book. I also have books like that where, like, when in doubt, I will pick up this book and read it again. Yeah, one of them is Screw Tape Letters for me. Like, right. I can reread Screw Tape Letters at any time. Yeah. So, just figured out that Thor Ragnarok is definitely on that list, mm-hmm. and I fully expected it to be Guardians of the Galaxy of the Marvel movies, but yeah. it's just there's this line between snarky and playful yeah and i i think i prefer things on the playful side yeah like they're not poking fun but they're poking fun with yeah i just realized we didn't say what the next bubblegum depression thing is we are on a tangent y'all and we're back (laughs) the next thing is a passion pits album gossamer you may not know that you've heard Passion Pit. You've absolutely heard Passion Pit. They, oh, definitely. They play in grocery stores sometimes. Yep. When we're lucky. Anyway, Gossamer. So, favorite song? Carry it away or I'll be alright. 
Yeah, that's mine are carried away or it's not my fault, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all Passion Pit is not normally something I listen to as the whole album. Yeah. And when I do, I'm like, wait, why don't I do this more often? It's <laughs> great. Yeah, I listen to it a lot when I'm doing homework and stuff because mm-hmm. it's just like you can't understand the words instantly. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. That like it's good to read or do any of that too. And so I was I was actually listening to them on the plane. Like not just this album, but several. Yeah. I'm a huge I'm a huge Passion Pit fan cuz a lot of their songs are like very pop oriented, you know, electronica, falsetto. Yeah. And the lyrics are so sad. Yeah. Which is I love it. I love how far Passion Pit is willing to take us down the road of you thought this was a happy song. Hey, you were wrong. An excellent point. <laughs> you know, fun lines like, it's fine. It's fine. Am I the only one that thinks that it's fine? <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one that thinks it's all right? Uh, I was drunker than before they told me drinking doesn't make me nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then my partner called to say the pension funds were gone. Oh. I yep. took a walk. I took a walk. <laughs> Take a walk is so sad. I love it's it. It's really sad and also very like yeah. Carried away is like that too. Yeah. I'll be all right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness, goodness. There's. It's hard to explain. Passion Pit. Yeah, it like vaguely. These two remind me of each other. Not like one reminds me of the other, but like after laughter, kind of like vibe. Oh yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of, like if you've. Uh, listen to them, or listen to like that one in particular. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of vibe where it's very like, oh, if you listen to the lyrics, <laughs> oof. But if you just wanna, you know, hype hype songs, they're very like hype vibe, and uh, they're good. I like them. Very, very movie movie. Yeah, th- they're they move. Well, you were scrolling through the songs to like get a feel for just this album right before we started recording yeah. and I was like vibing doing yeah. little dances to every yeah. single intro. Yeah. Um because it's it's hard not to. And really lyrically is. it's friggin' brilliant. Since my heart is golden, I've got my sense to hold and tempted just to make an ugly scene. No, I'm not as proper. My money's in copper, ripped down from the brownstones to the street. Like it's good uh, lyrics. Yeah. And then No, they're great. You don't have to listen to them closely. It's very easy to tune them right out. Yeah. Like, and if you do, they're also great. They're like a addition. They're a fun pack. Mm-hmm. Also playing Passion Pit, like, acoustically makes it so clear how sad their songs are. Because <laughs> I've done that a few oh, times, yeah. like, with their upbeat songs, and I'm like, wow, this is not an upbeat tune, <laughs> is it? This is not an upbeat. Oof. Oh, this is a sad. Oh, sad, sad. Uh, it's a sad time. It's like um, it's like the whole notion of a speakeasy, you know, where the economy is trash and you're not supposed <laughs> to be here, but you're dancing. Yep, yep. <laughs> but you're dancing. I'd be dancing with myself. I want Passion Pit to cover that song so bad. Oh my gosh, me too. Oh my gosh. Yep, 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 yep. Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> Reese, 
very tired and I am not as tired uh, for lots of reasons, mainly that I didn't go to Portland, but I am very hype tired, you know, where your brain is doing lots of spinning, but not as fast as the inside track of your brain. Yeah. That feeling. So it's great. Go listen to Passion Pits Gossamer. It's great to dance to. It's great to clean to. It's great to read to. It's great to tap your foot to while you're driving. Do it. It's great. (laughs) It's great. We don't put things on this podcast we don't like. We have good taste. Or bad taste. Prove us wrong. Tell us why it's bad. And we will tell you that's your taste. It will have meant you will listen. (laughs) Excellent point. We've engaged our audience. We're doing so well. Wow. Oh, no. I need to... Okay, good. Accents off. We're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. I would just... I think... I don't know if it applies to all of them, but I definitely think that it applies to the first two that we talked about. But it's very much like every choice that you make... Oh, that's totally ...to do something is a choice to also not do another... Mm-hmm. Oh, that's totally Passion Pit. And yeah. like so many of their songs are about choices and not making them and making them and all of that. Yeah, yeah. completely. And uh, and how the cho- how sometimes choices are made for you because of choices you've made in the past. Yep. And sometimes the right choice is not the one you expect it to be. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so, wreck of the week? Yeah. And I wrote it down. Ooh. Here's the deal. So... This, uh, an absolutely remarkable thing, like, it's about April, but it's also about Andy and Miranda and Maya and how they work together. Oh, very much. And thinking about it, because I have no chill, I realized that Andy is a resonator and a collaborator. Mm -hmm. Maya's an opponent. Miranda's kind of an editor and a collaborator. Mm -hmm. Like, they exchange... And all of these terms came from Diana Glyer's book, Bandersnatch. <laughs> like, <laughs> all I could think about was this excellent book on collaboration wow. that I'd read. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> I was just not sucker punched, but a uh, side hook. <laughs> I thought you were going to say side hug. Like like if someone's walking next to you and they just put their arm around <laughs> you and they're like, oh, we're hugging. That too. <laughs> yeah. So Dr. Diana Glyer has been mentioned before, but uh, Dr. Glyer's work is mostly on collaboration focused on C.S. Lewis's writing buddies, the Inklings. Mm-hmm. If, if you know anything about the Inklings, you know that that's a vast understatement, writing buddies, and also that they were <laughs> exclusively Lewis's because, uh-huh, nope. But they were, you know, C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, a um, bunch of other people that are slightly less famous in America. And they all, you know, wrote together, worked together, fought together. And, you know, we wouldn't have The Lord of the Rings if that group didn't exist. So thanks, guys. Thanks. Um, and Bandersnatch is partly their story and partly the story of what it means to be a creative person and how to collaborate. Yeah. And if you are a creative person read this book like it is the most valuable book on how to create that I have ever read and I I'm saying that as like having read other books like specifically about the craft of writing or specifically about this or that yeah Bandersnatch is like this is how you become a person that makes things yeah like this is what it means to be a 
person yeah. who makes stuff. And, you know, I don't, I honestly don't think I could have, uh, I would have had a good concept of like what it means to collaborate and co-make a right. podcast if I hadn't read that book. Um, amongst lots of other things that I've done since then, since yeah. reading it. So, wreck of the week. I'm ready Mine for one. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Yours in? Mine then. <laughs> My wreck of the week is, and we will probably talk about it because it's so good. Uh, How to Be Human by the Classic Crime. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> it's so good, and also I feel like it kind of fits in with this oh, episode a bit. Completely. Yeah. Ah, uh, just the song "Wonder." Yeah. In the context of an absolutely remarkable thing. Ugh. Yeah. No, it's very good. It's it's. We mentioned something else that uh, they have done, which is Phoenix. Mentioned so, we well, well no yeah we, we segmented we segmented about <laughs> Phoenix by them and yeah it's just really good and also I really like the album cover like it's a very big mood I like all the color in it yeah and it's pretty <laughs> oh that's such a good album I'm so happy you recommended that Ugh. it's really good just our listeners deserve this kind of content yeah good work <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, it's great. Listen to it. I don't really have anything else to say about it. Um, it's yeah. Uh, one thing that might help with context for listeners because we talked about classic crime quite a bit in the other segment. Yeah. But um, they wrote this specifically because several of the band members have become parents, and so this album was considered a collective gift to their kids. Like yeah, the things adorable. they say were like very. We wanted to write this song to help our kids answer how to be human, and I'm like, yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, what cuties also this is not about how to be human this is just a side thing I want to let everyone know that there is a playlist on Apple Music and Spotify called an absolutely remarkable mixtape that I put together so uh, that will be available so you can listen to that yep <laughs> and uh, I think it's good it's real good yeah fair. it's got a song by the Jonas Brothers from their first album so that tells you what you're in for eh. I'm excited and slightly terrified? No. Oh, just excited. Aw. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Roll credits! <laughs> Our theme song is Downtown Love by Reese from his oh, yep, yep, EP, It's Okay <laughs> to Be Sad. And Okay to Mispronounce Things. And we're really grateful for the music, so thanks, Reese. The podcast is recorded at Lahaina Music. I do all the production stuff. Rory and I both do pre-production by reading and watching and listening to all the things. If you are enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, tell your grandma. Specifically grandma. She needs more entertainment. The radio is going down. <laughs> and uh, if you are a huge fan of this podcast, please support it on Patreon. Anything that you support us with there goes into the podcast and also other collaborations that Rory and I do and uh, also help make sure that I get groceries every month. So, Patreon. Hey. And we'll be back with a Halloween episode next episode. I know that because we pre-recorded it. We're so ahead of the game. Hey! <laughs> <laughs>